Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint. We'll bring in our Anthony Fury from SunPost Media. You can read him there. And Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hey, guys. Hey. Good evening. Well, uh, you know, this is good one for you guys. I think we'll get two very different opinions, but uh, <laughs> both very from unique perspectives, because we've got we've got this complete divide of, you know, should he or shouldn't he right or wrong? And I think it really depends on your politics. But it is definitely a battle of opinion between, you know, the newer premiers being uh, Christy Clark, Brad Wall, guys like Jean Charest versus uh, a lot of the old school politicians were saying that Doug Ford was uh, in the wrong and should not have abused, uh, you know, a power that should only be used in exceptional circumstances. Bob, I'll start with you on this. Where are you at on this? uh, Where I'm at on this one is um, it's there. It's been used in two or three other jurisdictions for things. There's no reason why if the government of Ontario, the duly elected government of Ontario wants to use it, that they shouldn't. Um, have the right to go ahead and use it. They're using it, in my personal opinion, for a pretty goofy uh, thing, and it's probably not that necessary, and it's more of a political vanity project than something that was dire and needed to be done right away. But let's park that. Um, I think what we're seeing here, and I think, Anthony, you wrote about this, if I'm not mistaken, what we're seeing here is we're seeing sort of a generational divide. Uh, The old guys wrote it, um, in, in, a, in a certain context. And the newer guys, by the way, the three of them, uh, Christy Clark, Brad Wall, and Sean Charest, uh, three of our best premiers probably in the yeah. last 20 years, um, by, by any count, um, are saying, we can't get stuff done because of the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I, I appreciate where this guy is coming from. So, you know, I think it's, I, I think, um, well, I respect the views of Mr. Davis and McMurtry and Romano and all the rest. I think there is a very different political environment today and a very different legal environment, which is far more litigious. Um, And as a result of that, uh, we're dealing with a bit of a different scene. Well, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that. And I, I was, I'm was, i interested that you are coming from that side, because I've talked about this in the last couple of days, where I see that Anthony, he is setting a tone. It's like a reset button. This may not be the most important case, but it certainly kind of slaps back at the left, let alone the courts to say, you want to go down this road, I'm going to park it right there. You're going to get a fight from us, because it is not their job. After, the, after Greenpeace announced that they were filing suit, that took to eight the number of sort of serious lawsuits that we've heard of that people tend to file. Now, some of them uh, would be open for a, constitu- for, for a notwithstanding clause challenge others uh, would not uh, Sam Hammond with the elementary teachers federation he says they're filing about the sex ed curriculum because it violates their charter rights as teachers I mean that is a bunch of baloney if you want to protest the sex ed curriculum you want to uh, donate to other candidates vote against Ford all that sort of stuff go ahead exercise your democratic right but this is just silly the problem is if you have these eight lawsuits if they're all getting into play at different times they're at different stages this is going to dominate the news cycle it's going to distract it's mm-hmm. like it's it's like collective 
effectively the Mueller investigation is for Trump. Immaterial of your thoughts on that, but it takes the oxygen out of the room. And what Trump has done, I completely agree with Bob that this is this is obviously not a part of his mandate. The city council thing. This is not you know axing the carbon tax, which you know every everybody voted for him to do. So it's it's a bit silly. But then this is the first one that's going to court. And this is the one that he's going, no, I'm using a hammer to swat the fly because I want to tell the flies, buzz off. Okay, so Bob, from a purely strategic level, if you had played, you know, if you were in the premier's office and you were dealing with this, where would you be going now with it? Because you know that the city councillors are going to keep screaming and squawking and whining and moaning. It then becomes a very Toronto-centric issue. And the last thing the premier wants to do is be seen only talking and worrying about Toronto. Well, I think that's the the biggest mistake this guy's uh, made so far. And, you know, if I had to rate him so far, I'd probably say seven out of ten. He's done a, you know, a relatively decent job for a new guy, particularly somebody who's never spent any time in the building before. So so I'm not, you know, going wildly part. But the guy looks like he wants to be like the mayor or like a senior counselor in Toronto. He's obsessed. Get over it. It's another uh, it's another level of government. Move on. Um, so I think that's that's an error, too. I've worked at Queen's Park. I've been chief of staff to a leader down there. I don't think Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch are going to, for a long period of time, um, uh, feel good about his obsession with Toronto. Um, he talked about hallway health care. He talked <laughs> about, you know, making Ontario open for business again. He talked about, you know, uh, a whole variety of other things. And you're not hearing a peep about it because it's all about going from 47 down to 25 councillors. I live in Toronto. I can barely get excited about this. I can imagine what somebody in Wawa or Summerstown feels like. Yeah, it's a very Toronto-centric issue. And and because the media is so centralized in Toronto, it it will be the issue if they can keep it. And that is a problem for the the Ford uh, government is if the media just continues to chip away at this, you know, Anthony, on this topic, people are going to get tired about it because I'm sure there are a lot of other stories that can be covered. But interestingly, Marie Hinnan, um, who everyone knows, Really good lawyer. I'd hire her in a heartbeat if I could afford her. But I disagreed with her piece today in the Globe and Mail um, based on the fact that I felt she was basically saying the courts do and should have this power, which that is not right. Uh, But Alex, she wasn't even really saying that. I mean, I I thought, oh, Marie Hannon's written on this case. And and then I could tell from how people were hashtagging. I thought, "Eh, I'm probably not going to like this as like lefty or whatever. But I'm interested in her legal analysis. It was not a legal analysis. It was one of those sort of tacky anti-Trump type columns. Literally, it was an anti-Trump column. She goes, Doug Ford laws matter and i know you're too dumb to understand laws and i know you don't consult with lawyers why didn't you talk to any lawyers you know facts matter truth matters don't be like trump and you're like this is just kind of garbage and everybody got excited about it i i I curiously i seriously wonder alex why she did it is she planning a run for office is she trying to get the left maybe she wants to be a judge does she want the left to be her buddies she's defending the role of the judiciary in in i didn't even see her do that though there's no argument for that if someone tweeted at me maybe she has a book coming out soon i don't know like she's just trying to get a attention for some some kind of, uh, you know, chest puffing. Yeah, no, I can't say I don't get the sense that Marie ever needs attention. She's pretty busy. But That's what I thought. nonetheless, I mean, she is a Toronto lawyer, so she's playing to the Toronto crowd. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I'm, I, I agree. I think it was kind of a Toronto elites piece versus mm-hmm. a legal piece. And I think it was designed. Um, um, I'm, I'm in communications and marketing. I'm going to give her eight out of ten. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Anthony Fury as well as Bob Richardson weighing in a couple of stories. Lots of uh, political stories going on today. We'll get to the Bernier story in just a second, but I wanted to get your thoughts, guys, on uh, Gian Gameshi, who. Uh, 
ironically, on the day that Marie Heenan is writing, he decides to break his silence in an essay he penned for the New York Book Reviews called Reflections from a Hashtag. And I'll start with you on this, uh, Anthony. Um, Does he deserve a second chance? I mean, look, he was not convicted of any crime. The women that uh, accused him were liars. Um, You know, we gave the prime minister a a break on on the coke and he broke. Does, Does Mr. Gomeshi get a second chance? My favorite story, Alex, in in the very beginning of my media career, I had a job interview to be Jean Gomeshi's personal assistant. And in the meeting, <laughs> true story, in the meeting at CBCHQ, and this was before this show, some previous show he had, the HR person said to me, and I want to make it very clear to you, young man, that we have a zero, zero harassment policy in this office. And I hadn't said anything or done nothing. There's no way I felt. I was like, wow, they're talking down to me so much. And I always look and I go, was there something going on even back then that made, you know, people so like get their backs up? Look in this piece, which I haven't read all of it. It's it's behind the paywall. It was really and, long. Uh, And, you know, people ask him, he says, people now have this perception of me that I'm kind of like a creep or a whatever. I'm like, well, yeah, like that's always I had that perception before any of this happened. So it's kind of like, do you deserve a second chance? I don't know. You're innocent. If you can get a job hosting a radio show up in Alaska, like whatever, you you have the right to pay the bills and buy the groceries. But you're kind of tainted by this. And at no point in the legal process did you come out a hero at the end. You just came out not incarcerated. Right. And look, there may be reasons in this essay why he hasn't used certain language, Bob, like sorry, or I did this and that, because there could be civil action or what. There may be reasons that we don't know. But nonetheless, I don't think he could get a second chance in Canada. I just don't think the country's big enough to kind of forget and, and forgive. But do you think he deserves a, 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 you know, a second chance to move on? Well, I, I kind of agree with Anthony. Geez, again here. What is going on with you? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on here tonight, but look, everyone deserves a second chance. Does he deserve a second uh, chance in this market and in Canada? I'm going to say no. Wow, it, I'm, uh, I'm really shocked. I, All the men you know, are very I think offended. personal conduct, quite frankly, the conduct, the, the way he conducts him, uh, himself with staff and people, mm-hmm. um, the institutional CBC arrogance, uh, there's a whole variety of things that, you know, don't exactly endear him to a lot of people. I mean, I think his best thing he could do is get this out there, you know, clear the air a little and then look to, you know, move to Perth, Australia or some other place to, uh, you know, r- resume a broadcasting career. He is a talented broadcaster. He was on cue. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, it, it, I, I just don't think Canadians are in a forgiving mood. And I don't think they're in a forgiving mood, particularly for him. If the great Jeffrey Owens can work at Trader Joe's, so can John Gomeshi. Yeah, well, you know, hey. I mean, I met the guy years ago. I've known him for, for a while. Um, but, you know, like, to me, back in those days, it was just a different time. Not to suggest that anything, that yeah. the allegation, that, that's not, I wouldn't date the guy because I'm not into the, the teddy bears and stuff like that. But <laughs> nonetheless, I got to be honest. I just, uh, yeah, <laughs> ne- never mind. We'll move on. Let's talk about Mr. Bernier. <laughs> oh, I can't, that's not a natural segue, is it? Um, okay. <laughs> oh, what? Teddy bears. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, Mr. Bernier announcing uh, that his party now has a name and he's marching it out. He's got, you know, not not a lot of policy to talk about, but he, I think, poses an interesting challenge to a couple of the other candidates. Here is his announcement today. The People's Party of Canada will fight for the same fundamental values that I have put forward during my leadership campaign last year. Individual freedom and personal responsibility, respect and fairness. We don't believe that government intervention is a solution for everything. Government should not intervene to solve each and every problem on the road to a utopian and unrealistic vision of the society. 
Okay, it is the People's Party, and um, I don't think they're going to get organized enough to get the 338 candidates in time. I mean, look, it's an enormous feat to, to do this. And the landscape could change a lot with NAFTA and whatever happens with that. But I do think he poses a problem in Quebec because he could pick up a few seats that are needed by Trudeau and by Scheer. I, I, I think there's no question about that. I mean, particularly if the CAC wins the election. And if you take a look uh, at the electorate in Quebec, um, basically, he's he's going to compete for those 20 to 30 seats that have voted for the Bloc, that used to vote for the Kentists and others like that. That's where he is going to make uh, up his ground, uh, riding like his the Bose and others. So he's got he's got an opportunity to be competitive in probably 15 to 30 seats in Quebec. I'm not sure about the rest of the country. I, I having organized a bunch of elections uh, over the years, he is out of time. I mean, you know, it's... Albeit they did it in Ontario. I mean, they must be looking at the whole Patrick yeah, Brown, you know Doug they, Ford and going, well, but they had but they had a lot of money in the PC party. That's the difference. And they yeah. also had a lot of infrastructure yeah. in pace. They, they, they changed the king, but in actual fact, a lot of the court was already there, built and in place and continued on. So I just, I just think it's a big, tall task. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think he's got some potential to inflict some significant damage in Quebec. You know, Alex, I'm a pretty sort of maverick populist guy. I like those figures. I'm, I'm into that stuff. I'm into the rebellious stuff. I liked when what Ford did. I like Trump coming along and smashing the system. And Bernier, I would have supported him for the leadership originally. Right now, I'm just not even sure what the, the ask is, the request, the rallying cry. He says the federal conservatives are morally and intellectually bankrupt and corrupt. It's just such oversell. I mean, the Reform Party had a legitimate grievance. You could disagree with them, but they yeah. thought, why is Brian Marooney and the PC so focused on Quebec and so forth. I'm not sure what the issue is here. Andrew Scheer, he, he has not found his voice yet. He is not this great conviction politician. That may be an issue for him, but he's not a total failure. The party is not a total wreck. I, I just don't get what's going on here, aside from the fact that Maxime Bernier would rather he be leader and he would like to be prime minister, but this is not the avenue for that. Albeit, he can be an irritant because he can touch the third rail in politics on almost everything. He can open up the discussion on health care, opening it up to tier. Like, he can talk about things, milk supply, supply management, all the things that neither of the other politicians And, and I think this to. is exactly what this is. I mean, he's a, he's a, a principled libertarian. He's and you know what? I've realized I'm not going to become prime minister. So why don't I just say my thing and get the forum for that? Because I'm tired of being whipped. And that will appeal. I, I think it'll appeal to more people. Um, and and in a couple of weeks, he says he's going to have more to announce, Bob. But if he can actually get some decent candidates, I mean, some of them are he's got Mark Emery. And I mean, it's just a hodgepodge. It's almost like the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, like the island of misfit toys. You know that? Yeah. Little, <laughs> but it's, it's the bar scene from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, well, stay tuned. Hey, maybe you'll get a call. You, you're busy for the next uh, few months. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to leave it there. Uh, thank you, Bob Richardson. Thank you, Anthony. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.